Good morning, everybody. Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I know, man, I, I'm going to express, you know, I am a little bit frustrated myself in the sense that we've been going through John and we've been taking breaks from John and going back to John. But, you know, I prepared these five studies uh, for, the, for the youth retreat. And, and I really felt um, they are necessary for us. So I thought the next five weeks, we're going to tackle a subject that is quite important. I'm not an expert in this subject. But we have a girl here at the church who is a painter. And at one point, she, paints, she says she takes one she takes one day to paint one of her paintings, oil painting. I think it is. I think she takes one day and then she sells it for about 5000 They didn't. Is that what they saying? I want that job. <laughs> so when I talked to her about it, she said, well, you know, I said, that's a lot of money. One day's work for 5,000 euros. She's like, but it's not one day's work. It's my life. I've been doing this since I was little, trial and error. I guess Picasso said something similar, you know, when, when talking about one of his paintings because he made one in one hour and then charged an a, a, a ter, a incredible amount of money. But what I'm trying to say here is that what I'm going to share with you the next uh, few weeks, it comes from 25 years of pastoring. You know, so I'm not an expert but I have seen quite a bit and I see the Bible and I see church history and I see uh, my environment and I just see the real uh, subject of mental health being a big, big thing. And so we are going to tackle that with humility, with trying to figure out, okay, what does, what does God do? Who is God? What does the Bible say? What are, what's mental health, what are mental health issues, statistics around us? So we'll be looking at different things. What are the sources of mental health difficulties and challenges? And, and, and what is um, the ultimate solution, right? There are some solutions that we can find on earth, but what is the ultimate solution? So let's look at, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your love, for your grace, for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit with us. And I pray, Lord, that you will um, teach us, that you will stimulate even our thinking, that you will minister to us by your Holy Spirit, and that we will be able to grow in this area, to be able to identify things, to be able to define things, to be able to see you, to be able to see ourselves 
to be able to see the world that we're living in and to be able to see the hope. So we ask that you would have your way with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so the title of this, the, the messages these five weeks are this, having right thoughts about God. Number two, having right thoughts about ourselves. Mental health, the sources of mental health challenges. Number four, the love of God. Number five, the love of God part two and what he accomplishes in us. Okay, so that is so you know where we're going the next few weeks. But first of all, look at these verses and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote this letter, he actually, particularly when he wrote these verses, these two verses, he's exploding in worship. He's seen chapters 1 through 3, how everyone has fallen short, everyone is guilty, everyone has broken the law, but he sees this righteousness that's been provided through Jesus Christ at the cross. In chapter 5, and uh, in, in chapter 4, he talks about Abraham, how he believed, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So you see this, this, this thing where we no longer attempt to be saved by ourselves, but what happens is actually the Lord has provided a salvation for us. And then in chapter 6, you see, in chapter 5 and 6, you see we are dead to sin. And we have a new power within us as believers of the resurrection of, 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 of Jesus within us to a newness of life. Chapter 6 talks about being baptized into his death and being raised into his new life. Chapter 7 talks about the struggle, that which I want to do. And at the retreat, I had one girl. I had one girl in tears. She says, what happens when I love my friends and my friends harm me? And I just want revenge. And she is not telling me that with a smile. She's telling me that with pain in her heart because she doesn't want to feel that way. And I showed her the verses in chapter 7. That which I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I end up doing. And so Paul deals with this struggle and then beautiful chapter 12 thank god chapter 12 is in there there's now no condemn sorry chapter 8 actually there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus and then 9 10 and 11 who seem like a mystery but if you see 9 10 and 11 when you get to the chapter 11 what you see is the apostle paul says my goodness, God is merciful and wise. He's found the mercy and the wisdom to show both grace to the Jew and to the Gentile. In other words, he has found a way to show mercy to everybody. And then in chapter 12, he says, my goodness, when I think of the mercies of God, he's in worship. And he begs, he begs, he doesn't ask, he begs the believers to allow themselves 
to have their minds changed, to allow themselves, not for them to change their mind, but allow themselves to allow themselves their minds to be changed. Now, the word is really interesting. And do not become formed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformation is incredible. It's metamorphosis. Is the, the word that you would use for a caterpillar, as ugly as it is, crawling around, eating everything in sight. You know, it, 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 it's, it, it reaches its full size. It, it goes into a, it, 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 makes, it makes that um, cocoon. And then all of a sudden, that caterpillar melts. It literally melts into fluids. And within it is all the information for it to regroup. The chemical structure regroups in a different way. And it becomes a butterfly. The caterpillar is not saying, going there going, okay, let's do this. It's something that it, it, it happens to it. As a matter of fact, and this is really interesting, uh, that they took, a catap uh, they took a cocoon and they, before, to help it hatch and help the butterfly come out, they actually took a razor blade and cut it to make it easier. You know, the butterfly came out albino. It came out completely white, no color. And then they realized that it was actually the struggle of the butterfly from inside the cocoon to come out, to break the cocoon open. It was actually that struggle that pushed the blood to the extremities and brought all the color to the, to the wings. It's incredible, isn't it? But is a metamorphosis. I mean, uh, it, it, it happens to it. It doesn't do it itself. That's what Paul is saying. Allow that to happen to you. Allow your mind to be changed by the mercies of God, by the grace of God, by the love of God. What do you think about God? When you think about God, what do you think about him? And you know, to have right thoughts about God, it's probably the most important thing that you can have in this world. Some of us have thoughts about God that have been tainted by what people have done to us. My dad left when I was five. And I, I was telling the youth, actually, that when I was around 10, he came back and he gave me two tennis rackets. And at one point or another, he regretted giving me the, two, the tennis rackets while he was here, here on holiday on the island. And he actually came back before he left and he said, actually, you know what? I want those tennis rackets back. As a 10-year-old, that broke my heart. But you know what? It's not what it did to my heart, it's what it did later to my view of God. You see, I thought God gives things and then just kind of takes them away because he's selfish. What do we think about God? 
And Paul is saying, allow your minds to be transformed. Having right thoughts about God helps us understand his character, his love, and faithfulness, enabling us to trust him. Is he mean? Is he tricky? Is he moody? Does he want my life to be miserable? Is he kind? Is he happy when I'm serving him? But upset when I'm not serving him? Does he love me? Is he sadistic? In other words, does he just smile just maybe a little bit when I'm suffering? Does he care? Does he care about my life? Having a right thoughts about God is crucial in building a genuine and meaningful relationship to him. And that is the beginning of a healthy mind. The beginning of a healthy mind is to allow our minds to be transformed by God to have right thoughts about him. I always talk about this lady, but we had a lady that used to come to church here. She was diagnosed with cancer and she let us know and Loretta went right to her to let her know about, uh, to, to go encourage her. And this lady looked at Loretta and said, listen, Loretta, I haven't walked with the Lord for 40 years to doubt him now. We have been through too much together right thoughts. It will help our relationship with God. There's nothing, you know, um, Loretta at one point when we got married, she said to me, maybe it was a year into it, she's like, you are, you're in love with the idea of me, not me. She, 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 she's no nonsense. <laughs> but it, it made me think. Do I love an ideal Loretta of what I want her to be, or do I love Loretta? And we need to have right thoughts about who God is to, have, to be able to have a meaningful relationship with him. Having right thoughts about God will lead us to authentic worship. When we recognize God's greatness, holiness, power, we are compelled to worship him in spirit and in truth. And we offer him reverence and adoration, the reverence and adoration that he deserves. And that comes as we begin to have right thoughts about God. Worship becomes deep and real as we discover more of him. I mean, look, read Ephesians 1. I mean, you know, in, when you read Ephesians 1 and, and Peter, 1 Peter 1, um, you just begin to realize that worship is not about singing songs. Sing, to be honest, I believe that the lyrics that we sing help us to worship, but worshiping is not singing songs. Right? So when you read, if he, I'll explain what I mean. When you read Ephesians 1 and when you read 1 Peter 1, which both start with, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord 
Jesus Christ, both of them, Peter and Paul, are exploding in worship as they see God. They're realizing who he is. They're realizing his character, his power, his majesty. So as they're getting to know him, they actually appreciate him more and they in turn explode in worship. And you can do, you can do a research, do a research in the scriptures of every person that fell down in worship was as they, re, as they discovered a new attribute of God, a new aspect of who God is. That is why it's so important that we, we grow in a right mindset of who he is. Even in our biggest worship, as we see certain things in our difficulties, we're going to see that we will have to be even changed into a deeper worship. I'll give you an example. Job, he loses everything. And he says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be his name. Then he hits a valley. Then he says this, I know that my Redeemer lives. But then he hits a valley. And there's self-righteousness and there's all these things going on and his friends are accusing him and he's accusing God. And then God says, you know what? Let me question you and you will answer me. And then after he gets right thoughts about God, he said, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes see you and I repent in dust and ashes. As we see God better, as we understand his character better, Worship will come naturally. Salvador is a band in the United States, uh, 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 Spanish and English worship with a bit of a um, Latino uh, flair to it. And they lead worship all over California. And uh, at one point, as he was a young guy and he's about to go lead worship at the church or at an event, the, the mom says, hey, Sonny, I forgot his name. He said, she says, don't worship Jesus first. The, the, the son is shocked. How can my mom tell me not to worship Jesus first? And then the mom says, worship Jesus only. When we realize who he is, that's all we want. Number two. When we have right thoughts about God, it builds our faith. It builds our confidence. Our thoughts about God shapes our faith, our trust. As we discover his loving, merciful, and just ways, God encourages us to have confidence in his promises leading us to a stronger and unwavering trust in his plans for our lives. What do I mean by that? I need to have a lot of faith in someone that I don't know. You say to me, I'm going to give you a million euros tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the, the wife laughs. It's kind of like, he don't have it. <laughs> you know? and so I need to have a lot of faith 
But if I know that there's somebody that has a lot and is generous, you might have to have less faith to ask. But you might need a lot of faith to trust someone that has lied to you, that has misused your trust. So you need more faith to trust that person. But if a person has been faithful, you've known them for 20 years, and they've been good to you, they've never lied to you, they've been generous with you, you don't need a lot of faith. I think it's the same with God. The more we know who He is, the more we know His faithfulness, not only in our lives, but even more so in history, that all of a sudden we don't need a lot of faith to trust Him. We just need to grow in our relationship with Him, to have right thoughts about who He is. You know, I think one thing we underestimate is that the devil accuses us to God. He says, look at wrath, man. Look what a loser he is. But you know what? One thing we don't realize is that the devil accuses God to you. If you give your life to him, it's over. It's going to be the most boring life in the universe. Loretta used to read, uh, um, what are they called? Um, um, 18th Victorian, Victorian novels and, and uh, stories. And she, it was always a vicar and the vicar's wife. And I used to laugh because my name means vicar. And I used to laugh, imagine how boring it would be to be a pastor. And Loretta used to read those novels and say, imagine how boring it would be to be a vicar's wife. Look who's laughing last. <laughs> Here we are. But I tell you what, my life is anything but boring. I mean, it's just crazy. But, but even besides what I do, what is incredible to me is how can a life be boring that knows the one who created everything in the universe? Everything was created by him, and without him, nothing has been created that's been created. If we're not bored of science, if we're not bored of discovering the universe, if we're, not, um, if we're not bored of the micro and we're not bored of the macro, how in the world could we be bored of God? We need to allow our minds to be transformed, to see his character, to see his power, to see his grace, and to allow our minds to be transformed that way and to realize that when we Realize that we don't need as much faith as we think we need. Jesus said this, if you have made faith like a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move, and it'll move. Have you ever done that? Oh, man, I've gone to mountains and trees. Come on. <laughs> oh. Then I'm like, okay, use the force, Luke. You know, just go into Star Wars mode, you know, but... But I think, I really think that what he's saying is you don't need to have a lot of faith in yourself. You need to have a little bit of faith in what he's doing because his kingdom is unstoppable. His person is unsurpassable. 
And it's when we realize that we don't need a lot of faith. We just need a little bit of faith placed in the right place. Not lots of faith in a crook, but small, a small faith in a great person. But to have right thoughts about God is also going to help us in understanding his word. I know that that's kind of weird. It's kind of weird what I'm saying here because, wait a minute, right thoughts about God to understand his word. But don't we get our thoughts about God from the word of God? Yes, we do. But I think, like I said before, sometimes in our minds we get wrong thought, either caricatures of God or we get uh, accusative thoughts of God in our mind. So, and I'm going to give you an example of how this can creep in and it crept in in my life. You read the story of Abraham and his son. And God says to Abraham, Now Abraham, give me your son whom you love and kill him for me. That's right. Sacrifice son. What kind of thoughts do you have about God right now? What kind of thoughts is the devil putting into you right now? Because as we understand this story and we see the heart of what God is doing there, it just blows my mind. Let me explain. God had promised that child. He didn't have that child until he was a hundred and something years old. The child finally came. Abraham understands that this kid is a supernatural kid. He loves that kid. God says, now give me your son whom you love. Now this test, Abraham's heart. Who do you love most and who do you believe in most? Right? So Abraham passes the test. We're going up. But on the way, on the way to the mountain, Abraham says, the child and I will be back. Wait a minute. I thought you were going to offer him. Well, Romans chapter 4 says that even he knew, he understood it was the promise child. Even God had to raise him from the grave. That child was the promised child. And then when he was about to kill him, God says, stop it. I will provide myself a lamb. Listen, I will provide myself the lamb on that mountain, on that mountain where Abraham was, 1,500 years later, God gave his son as the lamb of God to be slain for our sins. So when you have right thoughts about God and you read that story, you realize that what God is actually doing is God is actually showing the gospel to Abraham before he ever did it, before, before John 3.16 was written. God spoke John 3.16 to Abraham, for I so loved the world that I'm going to give my son. And, and Abraham was able to feel what it would be like to give your son for somebody else. And as he feels how much that cost, 
he realizes, oh my goodness, God loves me. You see, but we get wrong thoughts about God. We judge him so quickly and say, how could a God of love ask for something like that? I've done it. But when we have right thoughts about God, we realize that God has no sin, no unkindness. So when we interpret the Bible, we are able to see that there must be some good. There must be some heart that is good behind what's doing it. Oh my goodness, this is going to... Next, right thoughts about God transforms our prayer life. Knowing that God is all-knowing, compassionate, and attentive to our needs, help us approach Him with confidence, pouring out our hearts and seeking Him for guidance, comfort, and provision. We are able to, when, the more we grow in our, with right thoughts about God and His character, we're able to pray with intimacy. We're able to pray with confidence. We're able to pray with humility. We're able to pray with honesty. We're able to pray with boldness. We're able to pray vulnerable. As we realize God's character, there was something in, German, in, in Denmark, but I was with Germans, that was really, really um, amazing. The kids, the young people, this is how they prayed. Bitteschenkens, Bitteschenkens, that's what they said, Bitteschenkens. And, and, and they were the whole time they're saying, they're not saying, God, give me. They're actually saying, Lord, please gift us with this. Please gift us with that. And I thought, how beautiful is that? Please gift us with this. But, but that just sort of showed that uh, uh, praying with the right character of God. God is sovereign, but God is generous. Please gift us. It helps our prayer life. Jesus said, when you pray, do not be like the Pharisees who pray where all can see and hear. Go into your closet where your father hears you in secret. Isn't that amazing? You know what? We're going to leave the rest for next week. This is a miracle. I never stop early. Bitteschenkuns. <laughs> you know, this is, this is like, this is just a gift from above. But you know what? I want to go slowly through this. I don't care if it's five, if it's six, if it's seven sessions. It's so important. I mean, I think we would all agree that the best thing we can do to have mental health is not to be on our phones is not to be listening what to the reality TV, to be watching series after series, to be in certain. I think that I think we realize that the first step to have a healthy mind is to have right thoughts about who God is. And I just want to encourage us with the verse: Don't be conformed. Be a rebel. We all want to be rebels, right? Be a rebel against the world. Don't allow your mind to be dictated to 
by the world, but allow your mind to be transformed by the renewing, the renewing of your mind, that caterpillar turning into a butterfly, and you will see those thoughts in the mind that you entertain that are good about God will slowly make their way to the heart and to the will. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you so much, Lord. I just, Lord, I love you. The fact that you save us. The fact that we're not here practicing some religion. We need you, the living God. We need you, the Spirit of God. We need you, the Word of God, to transform our minds. And Lord, I pray that there will be humility in us, that there will be um, eagerness in us to know you better as you are, not how we imagine that you are. Help us know, to know you truly. Help us to know you deeply and help our lives be settled in your forgiveness, in your safety, in your power, in your goodness. Build our lives to be full of confidence, Lord, not in ourselves, not in the world, but in you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.